Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. I had a chance to talk with the former NYPD uh, commissioner, Bernard Carrick. He was the man on 9-11 who, along with Rudy Giuliani, saved that city and, in the most part, for the most part, saved this country. Now my conversation with Bernie Carrick. Uh, my, maybe this is me as a New Yorker. I was in Michigan at the time. I was a TV news anchor. But as a New Yorker, maybe this is just me thinking the best out of the worst. I thought maybe somebody got drunk. I thought maybe there was a heart attack uh, that a pilot had. Maybe it was a Cessna, a small plane. Did you immediately know because of how close you were proximity-wise that it had to be a bigger plane? When, uh, when my chief of staff first told me, the, my immediate thought was it was one of these Cessnas flying up and down the Hudson River, you know, these uh, puddle jumpers yeah. that, that go up and down all day long. When I saw the damage to the building, I knew that wasn't a small aircraft. I didn't know it was a, a jumbo jetliner. I didn't know what it was, yeah. but I knew for sure it was not a small craft. What's the job right then for the NYPD commissioner? Is the job right then rally the troops, get everybody in we possibly can? Let's get to the let's get to the tower and see what the hell happened. Well, there's protocols and programs in place for responses of of every level, right? So, this was uh, you know a level three or four um, under the guidelines, and that would call a certain amount of cops from the borough, uh, from the uh, adjoining boroughs to come into Manhattan to respond. Um, the initial um, program or process will be rescue, uh, then recovery, um, and, and the response. So that that's what's started. Um, I went down to the command center to meet the mayor, could not get into the command center because people were jumping from Tower 1 and they were landing on the street in front oh of Tower 7. They were landing in the courtyard between Tower 1 and 2. They were hitting the awnings of the building, sounded like explosions. Mm. I called the mayor and I told him, meet me at Barclay and West Broadway. I was going to put a temporary command bus there. And as I was waiting for him, uh, on that corner, the second plane slammed through the north side of the tower above us. At that point, there's no doubt what's going on. Is there an immediate reach out to the federal government? I mean, what happens at that point? Because now, as the police commissioner, you're in charge of the number one police department in the country. I get that. But now you've got an international terrorist event going on. You know, it's, you know, it's funny, John. It, uh, Joe, this came up later, about a week or two later. My, uh, my chief of staff was sitting around with the mayor one day, and he looked over at me, and he he was giggling and smiling with one of the guys in my office. And I right. said, what, what, what's so funny? He said, well, I was just thinking back to, uh, to September 11th. He said, do you remember what you were screaming at me when the second plane hit Tower 2? And I said, no. I, I said, I was, I, was, I was trying to figure out what happened. Yeah. He said, no, no. He said, when that second plane slammed through the tower, you started screaming at me, get me air support and shut down the airspace. Wow. And I remember turning around to the guys around me going, hey, is it like an 800 number? Like, who do we call? <laughs> who do we call to do that? Just, just you know shut down I mean? the airspace. Get it done now. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. That's the right reaction, obviously, but you don't have the button to press to make that happen. So is there a direct no. line to the Pentagon? Do you, do you talk to Bush? I mean, what happens at that point? Well, what, what actually happened is that the FAA had picked up on it already. Okay. They realized what was going on. They started shutting things down, um, dispatching uh, a response. Um, ironically, today, though, Joe, today, uh, if that were to happen today, 
the response is immediate. Um, and it's, uh, you know, nobody has to push a button. Nobody has to make a phone call. Um, if something like that were to happen today, it would, it would happen automatically. BernardCarrick.com is the website. It's a former police commissioner in New York City. Uh, Bernard Carrick, he's retired. So, so the, the first two planes go in, and you don't know if it's over or if there are five more planes coming. You have no idea what the story is at that point. So how do you, how do you man the crew? How do you tell them what to do, not knowing what might be happening in the next five minutes? As soon as we realized that the city was under attack, uh, basically America was under attack, right. um, I instituted and called for operational mega. At that time, that was the largest response um, that was possible from the NYPD. And that was cops from every precinct, every borough. And it was a basic closing down of the city. If you recall, there were signs, New York City closed. Um, coming into Manhattan, yes. that was the first time that anybody can recall that the city has ever been closed down. So I closed all the tunnels. I closed the mass transit system. The only people allowed in and out of the city were first responders. Nobody else was allowed to come into Manhattan by car. And we started to look at other possible targets, you know, and in my mind, I'm thinking of the skyline, right? The Empire State Building, yes. the United Nations, things like that. Um, I was concerned with ground attacks. I was concerned with a possible sarin gas attack like they did in Japan. Right. Um, there were a bunch of things that we were considering and we were concerned with. But the protocols in, in, in uh, responses that we had in place that we had planned and practiced for, since Giuliani took over in 94, they all went into effect, and uh, and they worked extremely, extremely well. It's Bernard Carrick. He, he is one of the two men, uh, along with Rudy Giuliani, who I believe saved America on that day 22 years ago, reliving what happened 22 years ago. Bernie, were you with Rudy when we thought for a moment we might have lost him because buildings were crumbling? I, I, yeah. I don't recall the story exactly, but were you together with him? And for a while, we had no idea where you two were. Yeah, we, uh, we wound up in an office at 75 Barclay Street. Um, my, uh, my bodyguards commandeered an office there so that he could call the White House. And we went into that office. He was sitting in a cubicle um, on the phone with the White House trying to get a hold of the president. And somebody came back on the line and said, Mr. Mayor, we have to hang up. They're evacuating the White House. We think the Pentagon just got hit. Wow. And Rudy hung up the phone he repeated that sentence to me, and he said, this isn't good. And as he said it, the building we were in began to shake, mm. like sort of like a freight train was coming through the side of it. And Tower 2, what we didn't know on the outside, Tower 2 was imploding. And all of the windows in the, the office we were in, everything started bursting, blowing, blowing into the building. There was this huge gush of... of smoke and dust and gas and we were trapped we were pretty much trapped in this in this office space for about 25 minutes until we got a hold of some maintenance guys to open up a bunch of doors to get wow. us out onto church street but we were missing for about 25 minutes um a number of people uh were reporting that we were missing and or dead yes uh nobody actually knew where we were uh, and we had no communications with the outside because the antennas went down on Tower 1. 
And Tower One, for those who don't know, that's where almost every bit of transmission was was being put out by New York City and all of the, the television and radio stations. I believe it was WCBS that was still in the Empire State Building, so they still worked, I think. Right. Uh, but but at the end of the day, I mean, when you could take out uh, take out the, the the buildings and then also take out communication, this was way more successful for these dastardly pieces of garbage than they ever could have thought. Bernie, did you ever think those towers could come down? No, neither did neither did the fire departments. Uh, you know, leaders in in crisis management. You know, we met with Chief Downey, who was uh, a world renowned expert in in these types of operations. And he told the mayor, uh, him and Chief Gancy from the fire department, told the mayor, look, we're going to lose everything and everybody above the impact zone. Wow. So everybody and everything above floor 95 in the World Trade Center, we're going to lose. But we're going to get in the building and get everybody else out. They did not think the buildings would collapse. Um, and, but I, I, I think at the time, nobody knew... Um, nobody knew what the weapon was, right? right. And the weapon in reality was 50,000 gallons of jet fuel that ignited when they hit those buildings. That jet fuel weakened the upper beams. And once those beams started to weaken and collapse, there was nothing to hold them up. These things were 1,700 pounds per linear foot. Nobody was going to stop that from imploding. Right. And that's what happened. And these firefighters and these first responders, also PD, were running up as those buildings were coming down. It's Bernard Carrick. Go to BernardCarrick.com. Uh, I, listen, you made time for me today. You didn't have a whole lot of time. Let me just ask you if we can fast forward to today. As you look at New York City today, because we were all New Yorkers 22 years ago. We were all Americans. We were galvanized. We were ready to take on the world. We have not been this divided probably since the Civil War, specifically about New York City. What are your thoughts as the former top cop there as you watch just mayhem in the streets? And if you dare even try to stand up to a criminal, you're the bad guy. You know, I, I think it's disgusting, Joe. Um, and I'm, I'm more appalled today than any other time in the, in the past several months because I went to the ceremony at Ground Zero today. I went with the mayor, uh, as we normally do. And when I arrived, uh, Kamala Harris, the vice president, was ahead of us. And with her was Secretary Mayorkas um, from the Department of Homeland Security. Right. Behind, standing directly behind me was AOC. And I thought to myself, number one, why is AOC even here? Right. She despises cops. She's called for the defunding of law enforcement. She's a, an admitted socialist. She is everything anti that what that ceremony is. Right. And then Mayorkas, for him to have the goal and the audacity to be there today, this is a guy that has created more of a substantial terror threat for the U.S. than we were facing on September 10th of 2001. He has admittedly, willingly, intentionally opened the borders to millions of of illegals, undocumented, unvetted, unmonitored, and this guy standing at that ceremony today, I was appalled to actually see him there. For, for good reason. And just a couple of days ago, I saw a piece of video where NYPD officers are being attacked by these illegals that are being staged in New York. And Mayorkas says, 
The border is secure. We have full control of the border. And, and I'm glad that you, you held it together. You probably could have lit them up pretty loudly. But just one last comment. The president of the United States couldn't get his ass to New York today. He was in Alaska. I don't understand. But Bernie, make me understand. No, you can't. He's hopeless. I mean, he's hopeless. Half the time, he doesn't know where he's at in the first place. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I blame his wife. I blame his handlers. Uh, the puppeteers around him pulling the strings. He is completely out of it. Um, you know, the fact that Kamala Harris was there where they sent anyone, um, I, I was surprised. Yeah. But, you know, the whole ceremony today, Joe, Schumer was there and, and you know, the, the, the vice president was there. These people despise, despise everything about that ceremony. Yeah. Why uh, would they fake it? They uh, I saw, I saw, I saw Kathy Hochul, the, uh, the governor of the state, and, and Kamala Harris smiling and waving at people. I mean, they, they, there's a disconnect there, Bernie, that you and I will never understand as people who love this country. Last question for Bernie Carrick. If you were to be put back in charge tomorrow, how long would it take to fix the city? Four to six months. I mean, that's shorter than I would think. I mean, you, you, could, you could put, it, put stuff months. in place and get it done. The, the things are in place already. All you have to do is take the handcuffs off the cops, get rid of the prosecutor that doesn't prosecute, get the governor to change a few laws, uh, pulling away this bail reform garbage, right? and then send the cops out to do their job and support them when they do it. It's Bernie Carrick, uh, NYPD commissioner, retired. Go ahead. And that's it. And it would be done. But they don't want to. Is there a reason why you can figure out why they don't want to do it? Why would they want this anarchy in the streets? It's intentional. They are trying to create the demise of the democracy as we know it. That's it. There's no other reason, Joe. Well, there can't be. I mean, every one of these cities, New York City, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Seattle, Portland, Atlanta, Baltimore, they're all run by radical left-wing Democrats, and they're all doing exactly the same thing. It's intentional. You're exactly right. It's Bernard Carrick, uh, NYPD commissioner, retired. He, of course, was the man on 9-11. Thank you. Thank you to Rudy as well. I'll have him on in a little, in, in a little while to talk about this. You really did save the country that day, and, and I think that your words are going to go a long way today, Bernie. Thanks a million. Thanks, Joe. All right, brother. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pegg Show. Great to have you. Really a pleasure to have Bernard Carrick on. We've got a couple of minutes here if you want to get through. 888-941-PAGS, 888-941-7247, JoePags.com. Carrie, you've got a story that jumped out at me. Thank you for sending this, about what's going on with the NYPD. Even as we're talking about increased crime and and the PD just like being beaten up on camera and people are taking cell phone video, 
They're talking about cutting hours or overtime or something. What's going on with that? From Fox News, New York City will be cutting overtime pay for its police officers in an effort to pay for the city's ongoing migrant crisis. Despite police complaints, they are already understaffed. Mayor Eric Adams' administrations informed the city's police, fire, corrections, and sanitation departments that they must submit an overtime pay reduction plan and begin tracking progress each month, City Hall confirmed to Fox News. A police union say the plan will reduce the number of cops on patrol and make the city more dangerous. It's going to be impossible for the NYPD to significantly reduce overtime unless it fixes its staffing crisis. We're still thousands of cops short and we're struggling to drive crime back to pre-2020 levels without adequate personnel. Patrick Hendry, head of the Police Benevolent Association, told The Post if City Hall wants to save money without jeopardizing public safety, it needs to invest in keeping experienced cops on the job, he added. I'm confused. At a time where we're seeing crime through the roof in New York City and other big cities, we're talking about, is the crux of the story they're cutting overtime? Yes, they're cutting it. How would that not make us less less safe? I mean, literally saying, because cops are getting overtime now, because you need them to work overtime, because they're out there, you know, trying to stop crime and it's not working very well because they're being overworked, you're going to cut back on overtime and not hire new Are they saying, okay, we're going to cut back on overtime, we're going to hire another thousand. Are they doing that? Mm, no. The story does not say that. So that's not part of it? No. Well, that's that's intelligent. So what we'll do is we'll, A, we'll have a bunch of illegals anywhere you want them, can do anything they want, give them cell phones, food, clothing, shelter, and then they can get into fights with cops anytime they want, and... Other illegals will then video them fighting with the cops, which I've just seen, um, with the phones that we gave them. And then if somebody's going around on um, on a subway line and giving people a hard time, like throwing things at them, if a guy decides you're not going to do that here and takes him down, that guy then goes to jail. He's in trouble. And if you commit a crime in Manhattan, Alvin Bragg, who's the prosecutor, won't prosecute you, but he'll try to prosecute the former president under federal charges that Alvin Bragg doesn't have any right to do. What? It's like bizarro world. And look, we talk about this all the time in my house. I'd love to go to New York. We all would. But there's no going to New York right now. Especially if you're, the, the, the next step in this, 22 years after 9-11 happened, is let's cut back on how many cops we have or how many hours they're getting. It doesn't make any sense. It's truly bizarro world. It truly is. 888-941-PAGS, 888-941-7247, JoePags.com. Another big hour coming your way. After the top of the hour, you're going to want to see these videos. Go to twitch.com slash JoePags, twitch.com slash J-O-E-P-A-G-S. Joe Biden over in Vietnam just getting completely lost. Keep it here. Coming back. This is the Joe Pags Show.